following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. I'm going to be in the book of Philippians. And uh, Brother Tracy called me earlier during the week and he asked me where I was going to be preaching. And I told him I would be in Philippians 3. And, and he says, give me the title to your message. And, and you know, sometimes early in the week you don't have it all. But it just so happened that I did have have it. And I said, confirm to his image. And he said, good. He said, that goes right along with what we're doing and, and, and the teaching that we're having here. Uh, but let me, let me just say this to you. Uh, you know, if you're a born, uh, this message will touch all phases of, of the life of a person, whether you're born again uh, or not. And if you're born again, you know, we, 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 we come to Christ and, and, and we have, uh, you know, we come by faith and, and faith is really how we come to Jesus. And, and, and so we have a Jesus as the object of our faith. And, and after we get saved, uh, we have to live the Christian life. And now Jesus has become the object of our desire. So as a Christian, if you're a born-again Christian this morning, I, w- I would ask you this question tonight. Uh, you know, uh, you, you came in faith to Christ. But now as you live your life, Jesus needs to be the desire of your life. And I think that's where many, many times as believers in Christ, we're very, very weak because we allow so many things to come in. So we have the object of the believer's faith. We have the object of, of the believer's desire. And now as Christians, we know one day we're not going to be here. For some of us, a little sooner than others. But he has to be the object of our expectation. What do you expect from God in Christ once you leave this world? Now, we know heaven is a beautiful place. The scriptures tell us that. And, and only only being believers, are, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go there. But, you know, in this uh, third chapter of Philippians, you know, Paul uh, was a person who came to Christ. You can read about Paul's uh, conversion in Acts. I think it's chapter 9. And he talks about all his credentials and, and, and all his abilities. And, and I'm going to actually be in all of chapter 3. Uh, but I'm just going to read to start off with verses 7 to 9. So I'm going to ask you, please, if you have a Bible, to open to Philippians chapter 3. And I'll read these three verses as an opening. And uh, we'll, we'll look at it uh, after. Paul says this, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, I indeed, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Father, we want to thank you for your word tonight. I ask you, Lord, to help me. Lord, as I proclaim the word, as I preach the message, Lord, that you'd speak to me and through me, Lord. 
Father, we know that you desire for us to follow you in, in everything. And, and I pray that would be the subject that would stick to our hearts tonight, that if we're believers in Jesus Christ, we need to be committed to that. And, Father, we thank you. Pray that you'd bless someone today, Lord. If there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus as the Savior, Lord, their heart would be open to receiving Christ. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyway, we want to we want to evaluate what we really have in Jesus, and uh, you know, Paul gives a warning of legal righteousness right here at the beginning of this chapter, and and uh, uh, you know, he he starts off by saying, "Rejoice with me in the Lord," and twice he says that once in verse one and once in verse three, he's talking about rejoicing. You know, maybe one of the problems with uh, Christians today born-again believers is that we don't have a joy. You know, we go around, we, we, we sad face, and I know there's a struggle with everything in the world. We all have bills to pay. We all, we all you know, in a rush and in a hurry. But we need to take time to rejoice in what we have in Christ. And I would encourage you, uh, you know, that you do this, that the first thing you do in the morning is to read a passage of Scripture and let it minister to you. I remember hearing Dr. Adrian Rogers, and this is what he said. He, he said he's passed on and going to be with the Lord now. He says, when I wake up in the morning before I roll out of bed, he says, I make my bed an altar. So our thinking ought to be thinking about God first thing in the morning. And then when you go to bed at night, put your Bible by the bedside. And you don't have to read a lot of scripture, but you could read a couple of verses that would minister to your heart. And just let God minister to you. And think about God when you go to sleep. And, and and so this is the encouragement here. And, and I think we'll find that as we take the word of God and, and as we think about the word of God, take a passage of scripture, and as you think about that passage of scripture, say for, for the all of the week, take that one passage of scripture. You can do John 3.16 if that's the only one you know. God's so loved. Man, I can focus on God. I can focus on God's love. What did he do? He gave. So now I can relate to God. What God has given to me in Jesus. First off, salvation, if you have Christ as Lord and your Savior. So it's important here. And, and what's going to happen when you do this or, or if you have a mental uh, going back to the word of God, you're going to be thinking about God during the course of the day. And God will become a source of strength to you. And I know, listen, I don't know what you do for a living, but I know there are ups and downs and everything. And God will encourage you when you're in the down section and, of course, give you joy as well when you're in the up section. So that's that's just a little word I want to leave with you. But we have these three points right now, and we want to evaluate what we have in Jesus. Verses 7 to 9, the verses I just read to you. Well, let, let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, Paul says, uh, you know, he had a lot of things in the flesh. You know, if there was probably one person... Uh, you know, Paul studied and he was very, uh, learned in Old Testament scripture. And, and this is what he says here. I, I also might have confidence, verse four, in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And, and Paul would take, uh, you know, all the things he had. He, he was, uh, you know, he studied under a guy named Gamaliel, I think is his name. And, and Paul was very learned. And, and actually, he went, and if you study 
uh, Acts chapter 8 and chapter 9, right when Paul got saved, Paul was going to take Christians and bring them back to persecute him. So Paul persecuted the church, and, and, and unlike Paul's vision, God appeared, Jesus appeared to Paul just like he appeared to you and me when we both got saved. It might have not been as dramatic, but I'm going to tell you one thing, the salvation was as good. It was just as good. I'm just to saved as Paul because in, in July 1977, you know, God opened my heart. And, and really what he had to do was, you know, my wife got saved in, in, in May of 1977. And, and uh, let me just take a moment and share this with you. You know, we were having issues. And we went to a revival in Thibodeau. And I'm going to tell you what I think is the one thing that was uh, big in, in our being saved is Judy's grandmother, Mamaw, every Wednesday night in church, she said, pray for my family. And so Mamaw calls Judy, want to invite us to a revival. So we go on just to make Mamaw happy and watch the building rumble. But she got saved the second night and scared me. I, you know, I grew up in another religion. We were not encouraged to read the Bible. In fact, I had never read the Bible, maybe up to the Bagats in chapter 5, you know, or whatever. And I quit. But, you know, this is what happens and the power of the word of God because of her salvation. And we didn't know anything. I started reading scripture. And I started writing down what I thought I was understanding. I still got the notebook. Then when it came down to July the 31st, 1977, this is what my note said. I was in the book of Judges, I believe. I don't know what Judges was telling me. I decided to give my life to Jesus and be baptized in the waters. July the 31st, I gave my heart to Christ. The following Sunday, I was baptized. And the point is, I'm trying to make is this. God can save anybody. So if you got family that you, oh man, it's, impo- it's not impossible. I'm not going to tell you the background I came out of, but it's, it, it was bad. It wasn't very good. But it doesn't matter. As long as you lost, you lost. It doesn't matter what your background is. I mean, you could be in church 52 weeks a year and be lost. And, and so the word of God will deal with you. The word of God will open your heart. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing in Jesus, he says in these first couple of verses. But look at verses 7 to 9. I'm going to read them again. Jesus becomes the object of the believer's faith for righteousness. Have you been saved? This is what he's saying. But what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Jesus Christ needs to be first. Indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. He says, everything I was, it's trash compared to Jesus. It, it, nothing comes before Jesus. And, and we have to live our lives accordingly. That Jesus has to be first in your decisions and what you do. 
And look what he says. In, uh, he says, I count all things lost that I may gain Christ. In other words, learn. As a believer in Christ, when you, when you read this word, you're learning. You're learning what God wants for your life. And he says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So Paul is saying, I was a religious person. And he was. He goes on to say a little bit later down. When I sinned in Romans 8, I think it is, he says, when I sinned, I offered the right sacrifice. Now that established him him as far as his ritual of worship was concerned. Didn't save him. Only the blood of Jesus saves you. But they were sacrificing animal sacrifices. And he says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Now, I've preached a lot of funerals. And every once in a while, somebody will get up in the funeral. They ask you to say stuff. Now, you've got to be very careful about that. I've had to call some people down. Because what they said wasn't true about the Lord. You ever heard this statement? If anybody deserves to go to heaven, Joe Blow does. Joe Blow don't deserve to go to heaven. Joe Blow only has heaven if Jesus Christ has become his Lord and Savior. Now, works are great. You ought to work. You ought to do good. But your attitude for work ought to be, I'm doing it to honor and, and to praise God, and that's very difficult. So, so you must put Jesus first in your life. You must have your walk with Christ. And, and look at verse 8. I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. Jesus should be your desire in life. And it's hard. Listen, we live in a hard world. And when you go out tomorrow... I face what you face. I have the same struggles you struggle with. And you're going to want to be an example for Christ. But you're going to be an example in a world that doesn't want Jesus. Let's face it. The world doesn't want Jesus. But you still have to be that example. You realize everything stops here. You don't take anything with you here. All my life's trophies, no matter what I, I achieve in verse 8, no matter what I have, Paul said, I count them loss. But I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. But that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which comes by faith. Paul said, I want to be found in him no matter what you do. So our lives on earth ought to be a witness for Jesus. Uh, and the question you might want to ask, is my life honoring Christ? Is my life really honoring Jesus? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said, if any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creation. Now, I know that when you get saved, things in your heart change. They're supposed to change. And sometimes, you know, we, we're very quick to, to, to condemn people because we don't see a change. But when you have Jesus, you're different. I'm a new creation in Christ. I, I don't want to do what I used to do. I, I, you know, we, we change drastically. And I don't care who you are. 
You could be the Pope. I always say this. If the Pope gets saved, his attitude to Jesus changes. He may not have to change his lifestyle, but his attitude of heart changes. You say, I'm living a good life. But if Jesus is in your heart, your attitude to God changes. What happened to Paul? Paul said, none of this stuff has any purpose anymore. Now Jesus is in my heart, and he wants to serve Jesus Christ. So the second thing we want to look at in verses 10 to 19, it says, Jesus becomes the object of the believer's desire for fellowship. In other words, our desire now uh, needs to be to serve the Lord. Now, this is personal. Look what Paul says in verse 10. That I may know him. Paul said, I may know him. When you get saved, you may know him. And I know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Understand what the word know. The word know means a personal experience with Jesus Christ, not just facts, but your spirit comes to life. Remember when you got saved? There was a different feeling inside. What happened to us? That the older we are in our salvation experience, the less sometimes we feel about Jesus. You got to renew that experience of salvation in your life. You don't get saved more than once, but you can renew the, the joy that you have. The scripture says, I think it was David said, the joy I've hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. And when we're happy and bubbly for God in our lives, things are different and things change. You now have a relationship in the spirit. And that came by grace. You know what grace is? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. There's not a one of us here deserve a relationship with God. That's grace. God says, I'll give it to you. He also gives us mercy. Mercy is not getting what you really deserve. So the grace and mercy of God now is on the believer in Jesus Christ. God says, I accept you in my family. And the judgment I had on you for sin is no longer there. Paul said in Romans 5, therefore being justified, pronounced right by faith, I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus Christ. So God now accepts you in his family. And when you accept it in the family, you're supposed to go to the reunions. It's church. You're supposed to come. You know, the writer of Hebrews says, you know why you go to church? You just don't go to church to, to hear what God told the preacher this Sunday. You go to encourage others. You go to help others. You go to learn the word of God. You go to learn what you need to do. Hebrews, I think it's chapter 10, I think he says that. We encourage and exhort one another when we come to church. So, so now you have that relationship, that gift. Paul says, I know him, I have fellowship with him in verses 11 and 12. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Now he's talking about future. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has led hold 
of me. So he says, I'm pressing on, I'm, 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 I'm working here. Uh, I want to have that fellowship. I want to find out what God wants for me in my life. Pray about the decisions you have to make. See if it's what God wants. God will answer you and God will show you. I'm going to share a true story about not praying about a decision. And uh, I'm going to share this. And, and my wife was right on this one, incidentally. I got to give her credit. And, you know, that's sort of hard to do. But anyway, I'm going to give her credit. We were having a revival at our church in Napoleonville. I was pastor there for 17 and a half years. And I had to book motel accommodations for the pastor coming in to preach. I wanted to put him in a place in Thibodeau, a real nice place. Couldn't get an opening. And look, it's getting down to the wire. You know, when it's getting down to the wire, they pull the chain and everything starts. And I said, this ain't going to happen. I said, I'm going to call one of those motels over there where uh, I-10 passes through right there on the other side of Donaldsonville. And I said, I'm booking them a motel room. Judy says, you better wait. Better not do that. I booked him. I bet you it wasn't two hours later. I got a call from the place in Thibodeau. Said, we got your room. You see, if I'd have waited on God, I wouldn't have been embarrassed. God would have did what we thought and hoped he wanted to do. So we need to wait on God. That's just a, a, a silly example maybe, but, but it serves the point that when you're praying to God for something, give him an opportunity to do it. Don't interfere with what God wants to do in your life. And, and so Paul continues to work for what God has called him to do. Look what he says in verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And here it is. And I press toward the call for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He continues to work. He's pressing on here. Uh, He's saved and he's growing. Growth is emotional progress. Growth is emotional progress. You, you have to think that God is going to supply because your heart is right before a holy God. You have to say, Lord, I know you're going to do this. Now, understand this. God doesn't always do what you want him to do. He does what's best for you. And so sometimes the things that we want are not necessarily the best things for us. It's not God's plan for your life. So try to get in touch with God. Try to understand God. Try to understand God is showing you direction maybe in some areas of your life. He continues to work for what God has called him to do. He says, press it on. Do you realize Paul is just not saying facts about Jesus right here? But he's talking about a personal relationship. So I would stop and ask you here, what about your personal relationship with the Lord? And you might say, well, I know I'm saved. Where is your salvation taking you right now? What did God tell you this week in Scripture? What did God tell you this morning in the service? 
What is God telling you right now? You know, we dismiss sometimes what God tells us is because we're not ready to act on the word of God. And that's very true. Paul says, uh, live for Jesus in your daily life. We have to make decisions. Sometimes that'll cost us to honor God in our life. You make it think of one that you had to make. Where you go. What you do. How you respond to people who've offended you. What God really wants for you in your life. Now that includes, listen to me, family, your work, your recreation, just being out in the general public. Is Jesus Lord of every area of your life? As a, uh, in my secular work, I was a painting contractor. Uh, did mostly commercial work, but anyway, uh, I had a standard I had to establish how I was going to be as a contractor. I was not going to bid certain types of work. I was going to refuse it. And I was going to be honest in everything I did. And even if it cost me, I had to be honest. And so you have to establish how you're going to be before you even do it. But I'm going to tell you what. I believe with all my heart, and my wife can back this up, two or three of the greatest, two of the biggest jobs I ever had, and I'm talking about big, were gifts. Because God blesses when you honor him. If you put him first. Now, I didn't make money on every job. But God took care of us. Hey, Brother Chuck, how would you like to bid this casino? Nope, don't thank you. Can't bid a casino. My God won't allow me to do it. You have to stand up. Not just here. Not just in, in your area of life that means something to you. And God will bless you. Being fair to other people. Family squabbles might be hitting a sore spot here, but it's true. Because of my relationship to God, I'm not going to encourage this to go on any longer. You know, God gives us instructions what to do. So if if, if I offend you and I go and apologize to you, I've done what God has asked me to do. Whether you forgive me or not, it's not my business. My business is with God. And God said, you do it. And it's hard to do that because you got to take the low road. But we ain't always up here. A lot of times we're right down here. But God will bless you for it. So he says, simply because of my relationship to God, I do many things or I have to do many things because the Holy Spirit lives in me. And he won't let me go. I can resist, but I can't get away. 
So Paul says in verses 15 and 16, he says, have a mind to follow Christ in all you know. Walk by what you learn through the word of God. Daily fellowship. Verses 15 and 16. Look what he says. Therefore, let as many of us as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Keep living the same living standard of the word of God in your life. In verses 17 to 19, Paul says, let me be the example. Now, how could we dare to say if we're not living for Jesus like we should? Let me be the example of Jesus Christ in my life. That's hard. You're going to go to school. You're going to go on a job. You're going to go into family uh, gatherings. Probably most of them there. I know in our family, most of them there are lost. We got to be an example for Jesus. We have to be the example. So Paul says, let me be the example. Follow me as I follow the word of God is what he's saying. Don't compromise your life for Christ for the sake of unity in the world. That's important. Paul said in Philippians, for me to live is Christ. He didn't say that just on Sundays now. He said that Mondays to Saturdays as well. That counts. He says, for me to live is Christ. A lifestyle that's honoring God, being sensitive to God's word, always living sensitive to the word of God so others can see Jesus Christ in your life. I know Judy and I, we used to do this sometimes. We'd be maybe going somewhere, and I said, uh, she might say, well, I'm going to tell you a name and tell me what you think. So she might say, Joe Blow. And I would say, fishing. All Joe Blow likes to do is fish. Nothing wrong with fishing. I don't know if you guys like to fish. Don't misunderstand me. But you know something? There's no fishing in heaven. Or you give another name, football, you know, whatever the case might be. I would like you when somebody says, what about Chuck? He's a crazy Christian. (laughs) He's nuts. So is his wife. They follow Jesus. That would be the ultimate respect. And you know, and it's hard to gain that. Because people don't want to receive what you really have. So anyway, the, the last point here is that we, we saw a way you can be saved and you can know Jesus. And that second point was to live your life uh, to, to honor him. The last point is in verses 20 and 21. And it says this, Jesus is the object of the believer's expectation. Let's read verses 20 and 21. Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body, that it might be conformed to his glorious body, according to the work by which he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Very simply, for the believer, our destiny is heaven. 
This is what he's saying in verse 20. Our destiny is in heaven because we've become citizens of the family of God when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. John 1.12, John right at the very beginning says, uh, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you're a child of God. The only way you can be a child of God is to be born again. And we should be looking for the coming of the Savior, working uh, and eagerly waiting for Jesus to come. Jesus said in John 14, I'm going away and I'm going to prepare a place, but I'm coming back and I'm coming to get you. You know, some mornings I, uh, you know, I get up, I'm an early riser. And uh, it might be daylight, I don't know, it might not be daylight, but I'll walk down to the end of my driveway sometimes and look to the east. And I said, might be today. Might be today. Because he's coming from the east, the Bible says. So I don't know where the east is, but at my house it's in this direction. But he's coming. Do you look for his coming? And you know the the important thing is, if I look for his coming, I'm going to anticipate his coming. And if I know 1 Corinthians 3, he's going to examine me, I'm going to be getting ready. I want to be ready when Jesus comes. I'm going up, but there comes a point in time where he makes you explain your life to him, what you did and why you did it. You're up there, but you're still going to have to be giving an account for how you live your life. So we should be looking for his coming. As believers, we ought to be waiting, uh, and the Lord will change us. That's our expectation. This ought to make some of us very happy. We're going to be changed. Won't look like this. Might be six foot five. Whatever the case might be. But it'll be what God wants you to look like. It'll be what God wants you to be. And he's coming to get us so we can participate in the joy and, and the future gifts that we had. As believers, we're waiting. That's our expectation, looking for Jesus to come. And we are more prepared right now for the return of Jesus Christ than we have ever been. You know, nothing needs to be done. All the prophecies have been done. We're just waiting, waiting and looking up. Verse 21 Who will transform, that's change, our lowly bodies, that it might be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is even able to subdue all things to himself. He's going to change us. We're going to have new bodies. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians that at the coming of Christ, the dead in Christ will rise first, and those of us who are still here and remain alive will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're going to be changed. We're going to have a body like Jesus. What kind of body Jesus had? Read John 20. He just appeared to him in a room. The disciples were all huddled up in the room, and they showed up. On a road to Damascus, remember he was talking with the two disciples? And then when they realized it was Jesus, boom, he was gone. We're going to be just like him. We're going to have a body that uh, honors and, and gives glory to God. This is our comfort in expecting what's the future for us. You're going to be with the Savior. John 14, he tells his disciples, I'm going prepared a place for you, but I'm coming back. 
and I'm going to get you, bring you to myself that where I am, there you will also be. But let me just tell you something. Right now in spirit, you have an association with Jesus. You have it. You just can't physically see him. But the spirit, he says, the spirit will show you, John 14, 15, and 16, he talks about the spirit. He'll show you all things. He'll teach you all things. It'll show me to you. And so Paul closes out, and I'm going to close out with verse 1 of chapter 4. And this is what he says. Therefore, my beloved and long-for brethren, my joy and my crown, stand fast. Stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. So he encourages them, and, and I'll encourage you here. Stand fast in the Lord. Everything God says in his word, he's going to do. If you've never accepted him as your Lord, received him as your Lord and Savior, he says if you come and you ask Jesus to forgive you and you commit your life, you know, to believe in Jesus, the word in Romans 10, Paul says, if you believe in your heart, that word believe in your heart is the same word as you commit. Too many people believe in Jesus who haven't committed to Jesus. It's a, it's a change. Salvation is a change. And you can always look back. Judy and I talked about this just recently, you know, about our salvation. We know that we were changed. Goodness, all our friends deserted us. We knew them, but we couldn't hang out with them anymore. If they wanted to hang out, they had to come with us. We couldn't go with them anymore. They didn't dislike us. We just didn't do the same things anymore. We thought going to church was fun. They thought going honky-tonking was fun. So we had a big difference there. But you know, some of them got saved. Some of them got saved. And it happens. The person you think will not get saved, think of yourself. Think of yourself. You were the toughest nut on the block to save. You know why? Because you got to take everything you are and everything you have and everything you want, and you got to do like Paul says, I put it on the side, and I receive Jesus as my Savior. That's salvation. And then comes the change in life. And so we ought to see that we ought to have fellowship with Jesus after that. Church relations, reading the Bible, Sunday school. And finally, the joy of knowing that one day the eastern sky is going to bust wide open and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those of us who are alive and remain will be forever with the Lord in the air. Father, we thank you. And we just give you praise today, Lord. Father, as we examine our hearts, I don't know what you've spoken to people tonight, Lord. But I do know, Lord, you want to save them if they're not saved. And if they're saved, Lord, you want to, you want them to honor you with their life, Lord. 
Father, we just give you praise. We honor you tonight. Thank you for those who've come. I pray for Brother Tracy, Lord. I lift him up to you. God, as he ministers here, use him in a great and mighty way. But Father, as we close tonight, if there's any decisions that need to be made, I pray that whoever would have to make that decision, Lord, would not leave without doing it. Give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.